you guys doing, family? Good? Good? Good. How am I? Look, I love the responsive audience, isn't that? I'm doing fine. Um, I told you last week that we were going to take a break from the Hebrew series. I want to spend a couple of weeks just casting vision for you uh, and letting you know where we're going and what you can expect in this fiscal year. Our fiscal year started in September. And there are some things that we want to accomplish this year as a church that I believe is, is God-given and God-breathed. And so I just want to cover a few of those things for you today. Now, two weeks ago, actually last week, or a week ago last Saturday, I was at a celebration of life for Gloria Sinnott's husband, Lou. It was awesome. It was powerful. This man lived a rich and full life. He was 81 when he passed away. It was amazing to hear the stories of impact on this man's life, ranging from young kids all the way up to adults way older than me. Now I had the privilege of closing out the celebration with prayer, and so I did, and just, just thanked God for the life that was well-lived and prayed over the family, and it was, it was just amazing, the response. Uh, the, the place was full and full of energy and packed with power. At the end of the prayer, I had a guy come up to me, and he walks up to me, you know, and he's like an old, a, a middle-aged guy, and he's, he says, hey, Greg, like I should know him, you know. And I didn't know him. I, didn't, I, had, no, I had no idea who he was. I was like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> and in my mind, I'm thinking, well, who are you, you know? Turns out it's a friend of mine that I grew up with all the way from grade school all the way through high school. I've known this guy for more than, for more than 30 years. And so we started dialoguing and, you know, talking and reminiscing about old times. And, and then he asked me a question. He said, so what are you doing now, Greg? And I said, I'm, I'm a pastor. And his statement to me sent me into a time of reflection. Here's what he said. That doesn't surprise me at all. Without batting an eye, without blinking, without changing his tone, he says, that's who you've always been. That's, that's just who you are. You know, and, and when I said it sent me into a time of reflection, it caused me to go back to a time where I, I started at, to ask God questions about who am I, God? Who who is it that you've created me to be? Who, who am I? And just doing, a, you know, some self, self-examination. You know what I mean? Have you, have you ever done that before, some self-examination? Who am I, God? You know, and it's not about me, but here's what I learned. I learned that if I don't know who I am, if you don't know who you are in your identity, you don't know or can't know why God has wired you the way that he has. And if you don't know why God has wired you the way that he has, then you'll never be able to fully step into what he has called you to do. You'll never be able to fully realize it. And so as I reflected back, I I reminisced on the fact that I've always had a heart for for the the underdog, the less fortunate, those that that were kind of like the outcast. I always had a, a heart for them. I always had a heart to see broken hearts mended and, and relationships brought back together and reconciled and, and families restored. I've always had a heart for that. 
I've always had a desire to see authentic relationships where people can be real with each other without pretense and without fear of being judged or abandoned when they reveal their true self. And I've always had a loss, a, a, a heart for, for the lost, for lost people to find Jesus, to possibly become the catalyst of life change in someone's life, leading them to Christ. I've always had a heart to do that. That's just who I am. And that's the vision that God has given me for this church family. You know, over the past three years or so, we've, we've come together and we've grown close together as a family. We began to taste and sense and experience community. <laughs> but I think it's just the beginning. It's been fun and it's been real and I've seen times of growth and I've watched people's lives change and, and I watch how we've grown close together as a community. But I'm telling you, I really, truly believe that this is just the beginning. The tip of the iceberg. The tip of the iceberg. I like that visual because, because what that means is that at a, at a glance, you can see something that appears to be um, that appears to be something, but the reality is that underneath the surface lies something even greater. At first glance, what you see, you might appreciate, but underneath the surface, there's a deeper, deeper meaning. There's mass. There's there's depth. There's gravity. There's substance. I believe that that's what God wants for us, church family. I believe that God wants us, I believe that he wants us to look a certain way, but to have much more depth and gravity as people get closer to us in relationship. Did you know that an iceberg on the top, only, you only see just one-eighth of what's underneath. So as massive as, as it seems on the top of the surface, there's something even greater underneath the surface that you can't see. I believe that that speaks to the vision that God has given us for this church. I believe that God wants to use us in ways that we haven't even seen yet. It's my vision. Let's go to the scripture. Habakkuk 2, beginning at verse 1 through verse 4. Let me set the context for you here. The prophet Habakkuk had gone to God and he'd asked God, you know, why is it that, that the Chaldeans are able to continue to oppress your people? And he asked God these questions and here God is, is giving him an answer. And he look at what God tells him. In verse 1, it says, I will take a stand, Habakkuk said. I will stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look to see what he will say to me, how God will answer him, and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, write the vision. Make it plain upon the tablets so he may run who reads it. The vision, the still, for still the vision awaits in its, its appointed time, and it, it hastens to its end. 
and it will not lie. And if it seems slow, wait for it, for it will surely come and it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. Talk about the soul of, of the Chaldeans. It's puffed up and is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous will live their life based on what they cannot see, based on a trust in God to reveal things that are much deeper than you can see from the naked eye. Faith that God knows exactly what he's doing and exactly what he needs and that his vision for us will come to pass and it will not delay. I want you to dream with me for the next few minutes. I want you to imagine a church where everyone who comes in, be it a first-timer or a long-timer, feels welcome from the time they step out of their car into the sanctuary to the time they get back into their car to leave. Once you imagine a church where Sunday morning the worship is so vibrant and alive and energetic and every song is just pregnant with opportunities to, to freshly encounter God. Imagine a church where the word is being taught not by a solo pastor but by a, a stable of leaders who have in-depth knowledge of Scripture and the word of God and each possession the, possessing the ability to clearly articulate the word with simplicity and clarity and relevance, leaving each person each week with a practical way to apply what they've heard. Imagine our church being a hospital for those who have been broken, even misused and abused by their, or from their previous church, maybe in a, in a church that they had been in before. Imagine us, our church, being a place where people who have given up hope of ever attending a church where truth is spoken in love without pretense and without an ulterior motive, where they can walk in a church and encounter people who are authentic, and transparent, and genuine, and exude the love of Christ. I'm telling you that this would just be the tip of the iceberg. This would simply be what is seen as a person walks through the door on Sunday morning. But imagine, if you will, something deeper. Imagine a church culture that reeks of discipleship where the majority of evangelism and discipleship takes place outside of the four walls of the church in smaller communities throughout the week, where every person has an opportunity to be spiritually partnered with other like-minded followers of Jesus Christ, no one left behind, no one isolated, no one alone, where the opportunity to experience true, deep, rich spiritual growth and development is available for every single person who seeks it. Imagine a church where regardless of your religious background or, or your, your depth of spiritual knowledge, from the time you walk in the door, there's a clear spiritual pathway that's specifically designed to deepen your relationship with God and with others, connecting you to a collective family on mission together. I want this for our church. I want, I want to be part of a church that is a spiritual force in our community family. A church that fleshes out the gospel in relevant ways. 
A church that God uses to infiltrate places where sin and darkness and demonic oppression have held many captives for generations. I want to be part of a church like that. I am a part of a church like that. Family, that's, this is us. This is our identity. I believe that this is what God has created us to be. And right now I know we only see it in part. We only see the tip of the iceberg. But this is who we are. This is who we are. So how can we realize this? What steps will we take this fiscal year that will move us closer towards being this kind of church? Here's the first. Here's the first step. This year, we're going to continue to place emphasis on developing and empowering strong leaders. Man, I tell you, we're blessed. God has blessed us with with strong and capable leaders, men and women who God has sent that, that are beginning to shore up the infrastructure of our church family. And I believe that God is not only raising up men and women to be the current leaders of this church, but but leaders that will be the future leaders for this church as well. You see, listen, we're we're at an important time of our church's history, of our church's growth and development. In September, we entered our fourth year as a church. And in the next few years, we're going to be facing some real tough decisions that are going to have to be made. For an example... You know, right now we're, we're part of an association of churches. We're part of ChangePoint. Will we maintain that association in the future? Or we, as we move closer towards independence, will we look different than what we look now? Right now we're meeting, we're worshiping here in this theater at Bartlett High School. But, but where will we be in the next five years? Will we have our own facility? Will we be moving towards purchasing land and property to expand. What does it look like for us? And these, family, these and other decisions we're going to have to make as a church in the coming years. And I believe that God has sent good, qualified leaders that will help and assist in making those decisions as we go forward. And I'd say this, I believe that some of that leadership is going to be in place by the end of the year where you're going to see men step into leadership to lead this church into the next generation. That's the first. So what steps will we take this fiscal year towards being the kind of church that I described to you earlier? The first is that we'll continue to place emphasis on on developing and, and empowering strong leaders. And the second is we're going to work hard this year to create a clear spiritual pathway into community, into the life of our church. We're going to do that by several things. We're going to open wide the front door, family. When, and, and, and this pathway is going to begin for, for everyone that comes into our church. It's going to start with the form that we're going to call Connect. It's going to be a welcome reception for prospective members where we're going to have a place where they're going to be able to go once a month and sit down over coffee and maybe cookies or cake or something to eat, because you guys know I love to eat. 
something to eat where we'll have an informal forum where, where, where they'll be able to ask questions and they'll get answers. It'll give us time to get to know them and give them time to get to know us better. That's coming in January. Then we're going to follow that up in this pathway with an orientation that we're going to call Starting Point. It's an orientation to the mission and the vision and the values and the core practices of our church. We're going to introduce all prospective members to the city where they can get connected and, and see opportunities and have opportunities presented to them to step into life as part of our community. At Connect and at Starting Point, they're going to have the opportunity to find out and to see where, where Bible studies are, where small groups are in the church, or become part of one of several community groups that are already formed or that we're going to launch in this coming year. And so everyone that comes into our church, family, we're going to, we're going to challenge them to step into community. We're going to challenge them to step into ministry opportunities, and there are many within the church and the four walls during the weekend. Maybe they can be part of the connection team or help out in facilities or, or serve on the service team or, or worship with Lance and the worship team or maybe help Nate out in graphics or in children's ministry. There will be plenty of opportunities to get brand new people and, and even people that have been in our church for a while plugged in to ministry this year. Student ministries. You know, over the last couple months, I've been working with a team that's helping to develop a, a clear spiritual pathway for our students. And it's a process. You know, I, I'm not embarrassed or ashamed to say that, you know, student ministries has, has, has been, it's been up and down. It's been inconsistent. We've entered seasons of uncertainty. But let me tell you something. I am confident more than I've ever been that we've got a strong team together that is going to develop a clear spiritual pathway for our students from ages 13 to 18. Karen, Karen Howard, stand up. Karen is going to be um, our new director of student ministries. Glad that you're here, Karen. <laughs> Karen brings a, a wealth of knowledge, but listen, more than that, Karen brings a true heart for relationship, and that's, that's the first thing that we're going to build in our student ministries is relationship with one another. Next week, there will be a survey that will go out to, to the young people in our congregation, and this survey is to, is to, is to get an idea of what are the things that, that you need to know, that you need to learn to deepen your relationship with God and with others, with your peers? How can you be equipped to deal with the peer pressure that you'll face in high school and in, in the other places that, that you frequent as a team? Survey will go out next week. And then in the following week, the week of the 23rd, students will have their first meeting in the staff lounge where they'll meet for pizza and just begin to dialogue about what it can look like to be strong followers of God in a world that is diametrically opposed to followers of Christ. So, what are we going to do to move towards our goal this year? Becoming more of a church that has a, a focus 
discipleship, well, first, we're going to develop and empower strong leaders to continue to lead our church forward. And then next, we're going to continue to create a clear spiritual pathway for others to follow. And then finally, we're going to sharpen our focus on mission this year. I want us, family, to to be able to intentionally live a life that's focused on cultivating the life of Christ in others, where discipleship is paramount, where a, a culture of discipleship is woven into every single thing that we do and that every single dollar that we spend, every, every curriculum that we purchase, every group that is formed has discipleship at the very core of it. I believe that the most effective approach to discipleship is what I've been telling you over the last three years that the most effective approach to discipleship com- contains three relational components. An up component where we enjoy God fully together as we worship together and belong together. An in component where we are transformed together as we have relationship with one another and we're partnered with other followers of Jesus Christ that are on the same spiritual path as us. And an out component where we get to demonstrate the heart of Jesus Christ to the the communities that God has sent us into. And real, effective discipleship will contain those three components. It's the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Jesus tells us to go and teach and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching all nations to observe everything that I've commanded you. And he said, I'll be with you always to the end of the world if your focus is making disciples. So that's what we're going to sharp. That's what we're going to do this year. We're going to sharpen our focus for discipleship. So you may be asking me, Pastor, how can, can, I, how can I contribute to this mission, to our mission this year as a family? There are three ways I want to give you today. The first is this. Give generously. Give generously. You know, currently our giving is not where where we'd like for it to be. It's not where it needs to be. But that's okay because it's just the tip of the iceberg, family. I know that God's got everything that we need, and it's right here in this church family. So I'm going to challenge you to give generously. Why? Not because God needs our money because he doesn't. No, that's not it. Giving begins with the character of God in us. Jesus tells us in John chapter 10, he says, he says I am the good shepherd. I give my life for the sheep. In other words, Jesus is saying that giving is an expression of the image of God. God is both generous first and he's generous most. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. When you give out of the treasure of your heart, 
It's an act of worship and thanksgiving to a God who has already given to us the greatest gift that we could ever have. And when we give family, three things happen. First, God is glorified by our giving. Second, we grow, our faith grows, our trust in God grows. And third, others' lives are changed as a result of your generosity. You know, it's, it's your generosity, family, that's enabled us to, to open our church office and to fund two much-needed staff positions over the last year. And over this past year, our church office has become a, a hub for discipleship and training and leadership development and counseling to include premarital counseling and one-on-one and group counseling and, and marriage counseling. It's become a hub for, for Bible studies and strategic planning sessions. The church office is like a, a beehive of activity. And I'm telling, it, I'm telling you, family, I'm so thankful because it's your giving that makes this possible. Your, your giving fuels our vision to see life in Christ for every Alaskan and the world beyond. And so I challenge you to continue to give generously. The second way you can participate is to get connected. Get connected relationally. A healthy church always begins with healthy relationships. You've heard me say this in the past, and you've heard me speak of the ant. You know, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to consider the ways of the ant, a super organism, a collected body with a single focus. Thousands, sometimes millions of ants living together in a single colony with a single focus. Every ant working with total sacrifice. Every ant, each placing his needs less or below the needs of the other. No ant ever creates conflict over position within the colony. There's no hierarchical structure within the colony of ants. Each ant's role is determined by what's needed most in the colony to keep the colony healthy. The health of the colony is the thing that the ant is concerned about, and to this end, each one will give its life if necessary. Total unselfishness. No rogue ants, no lazy ants. The entire ecosystem in the ant colony depended on each ant fulfilling its individual role. Millions, and sometimes millions of ants, each representing a single organism, the ant colony, one family with one common purpose, and that is to advance the ant kingdom. What an excellent metaphor for the church. What a great picture of what life in Christ can look like for us as a church family. But listen, it'll never happen for us if we don't connect relationally with each other around a common goal of advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ and advancing the kingdom of God. We can accomplish more, family, and we'll accomplish more when we're connected together. We'll accomplish more connected together than we ever could apart. And so I'm going to challenge you this year even more than you have last year, to connect relationally with those in your church family. And then finally, how can you assist? How can you participate in our vision this year and our mission? Get involved. 
Get involved with what God's already doing here. We have this, we have this incredible opportunity with the Engage Closet where, where we're giving out clothes and food and where we're partnering with the faculty here at Bartlett High School. You know, almost 1,000 articles of clothing, 43 bags of groceries, and each one able and designed to feed a family of four already given out this, this, this school year. Get involved. You know, there's point men project where we have men who, who have determined that they're going to offer life in Christ for widows and single moms and the disabled. And God has given, showing us that, that life in Christ even is more abundant as we give our lives away and those who serve are experiencing that. And then there'll be other communities that will develop this year, community groups such as gift, growing young families, and others, where you will have the opportunity to partner together, to be together, get involved. You might want to start your own community group. You may want to start your own Bible study. You might start a knitting group and ha that has a focus. I mean, it's simple, but think about it. A, a simple focus of up, in, and out. A few of you getting together. Knitting a blanket or a hat with the common goal of giving it away to someone who needs it. Get involved this year. Your gift that God has, has given you is not too small. You're not too inexperienced. Don't let the devil trick you out of your blessing. God has given you everything you need to get involved. Step up. I said earlier, you know, I'm going to say it again. God birthed in me the vision for this church. And Lance, you can bring up your team. But I'll tell you, family, the vision may have started with me, but it's, it's much, much bigger than me. Together, I really believe that God is going to use us not just to bless each other, but to bless those within our sphere of influence, to bless those who are around us that he sends us to, all for the purpose of glorifying his great name. I want God to be glorified in this church. I want God to be glorified by all that we say and, and do. I want God to be glorified as we set our hearts to fulfill the mission as a church Life in Christ for who? Who is God sending us to? What has God called you to do? How will you step into that and fulfill that this year? Life in Christ for who? What we're experiencing right now as a church family, as a community, is just simply the tip of the iceberg. I truly believe that there's going to come a time, we almost experienced it last week, where the weekend service is simply an expression of what's going on throughout the week, where we come together, and as I said earlier, the worship is so vibrant, the community is so strong, that it's like a big family reunion. I believe there's going to come a day where we'll step into this place, and it will be packed. 
But before people can even get into the auditorium, they'll encounter the presence of God outside in the parking lot. I believe that people are going to come into this church one day weeping because they've encountered the presence of God even before they step into, into our service. I believe that there's going to come a day where we're worshiping together on a Sunday morning and God's doing so much in our lives that as we're worshiping together, the power of the Lord comes down in such a manifest way that he steps in and changes the service and we don't even get past the second song. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, family, because we haven't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come. So get ready for it. Get ready for it. Let's pray. tell you that I stood up here for the last 40 minutes or so and I don't know if you remember back in April on the 6th of April where I almost passed out on the stage but walking out here today I had that same feeling so my head's been kind of in a cloud over the last few minutes I'm just begging God the whole way Lord please let what I'm saying come across crystal clear because I'm feeling like I'm having an out-of-body experience. But let me tell you something. God is so faithful, isn't he? Isn't he faithful? I trust him. And I want you to trust him for the greater things that are ahead of us, waiting for us down the road as a church family. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm mindful that the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm, awful. I'm also mindful, Lord, that he loves to take clear vision and muddy it so, so those who want to run can't run because they can't see where they're going. But Lord, I'm also mindful that your power, your light, your authority to bring clarity cuts through all those things. And so, Lord, I'm praying today and I'm asking you today that you help us, help me to write the vision. Make it plain upon the tables and the tablets so that those that see it can run with it and know that the vision might not be right now in front of them. It's for an appointed time, but it is coming. Wait for it, because it will surely come. And so, Lord, as, as we sing this last song, as we get ready to take communion, I pray that you prepare our hearts. Help us to see past where we're at. 
to what we have in you and where we're going in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.